This is the Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Podcast with Dr. Serene Sharif. This is a space where we explore how mindfulness, productivity systems, and our thoughts create the magic in our life. I'm here to help and support you if you are struggling with overwhelm and burnout, and you're looking for tools to take control of your time, mind, energy, and productivity. I'm your host, Dr. Serene Sharif, and I am a general surgeon, medical educator, mom to three wonderful children, and wife, which were all instrumental in my journey to be a productivity and burnout coach. I'm excited to share my tools and unique framework to build a community so no one has to go through this alone, empowering each other to find our way out of burnout and overwhelm. We will explore how my mindfulness and productivity systems framework can help you combine the energy of mindfulness with the scientific principles of habit building and your unique systems of productivity. My framework is designed to help you find clarity, design your dream life, and create your transformation. We'll discuss how to overcome limiting beliefs and obstacles that are standing in the way of your dream life, as well as how to create and sustain your new habits in a way that will allow you to finally ditch your willpower and motivation struggles and have more time and energy to live your best life. This is episode number 34. In our last episode, we talked about overwhelm and inertia and all of the struggles of being stuck, right? And what it takes to overcome that. What are ways that we can quantify and classify it so we can better understand it and we can use the tools that we have to overcome it. And I hope that you had a chance to apply that to your life and see what does overwhelm feel like? How is it affecting your life? What are the things that you're not able to do because of this state of overwhelm and how do we overcome that inertia and really be overwhelmed. Now this week, I'd like to continue the conversation and talk about a key tool in overcoming overwhelm and inertia and feeling stuck and all of the things. Now you may wonder what that is, and it is our breath. This incredible tool of mindfulness, our breath can be applied in so many different ways, in ways that you might not even be aware of. My guest today is an expert in this area, and I think you are going to love our discussion and the actionable tips that you are going to receive on utilizing breath as your tool to overcome overwhelm, stress, inertia, insomnia, and all of the things that keep us from getting to that next level. Thank you so much for listening. I'm so excited to welcome Dr. Robin Tiger to the podcast today. Dr. Tiger is a physician, a trauma-informed self-care coach, a podcaster, and her mission is to empower physicians with self-care tools that are backed by science and research both of which are top priority for me as well. I love knowing the research and science that goes behind some of the things that we share. And so I'm so excited to have you on my podcast. Hi, Robin. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. I love your podcast. So thank you so much. It's an honor. Thank you. Absolutely. And I would love for you to share just so our listeners can get to know you a little bit more, just what your journey has been and how did you get to be wearing all of these hats that you have going on? Yeah, I love these hats. Yeah, so about, let's see, how much time do we have? Let's do third grade. I wanted to be a doctor. That's when I knew I wanted to be a doctor. My my third grade teacher rolled out this huge skeleton and I realized that was not a Halloween costume, that that was actually within our bodies. And fast forward, that's what I did. I very happily went through college and med school and, and joined this incredible group of humans that are physicians. But what happened along the way wasn't amazing. And 
and easy. And what I noticed about, I'm going to say about maybe 15 years ago or such, is that I started to develop lots of different illnesses. Now, at the time, I was married, still am, to a great man. I had two little kids back then and a dog and a house. And I was in charge of all kinds of things, as we say yes to a lot. And things just happening to me that I couldn't put all together. I had migraine headaches, intractable vomiting, which I'd never had in my life, reflux, burning gastroesophageal reflux. I had vertigo and tinnitus terribly where I just couldn't even sleep at night. It was so loud. My gums were bleeding. I got these strange paresthesias where I would have numbness just come out of nowhere in my hands. And it would happen at times that were very inopportune, such as during a breast biopsy. When I would be there, my, my biopsy gum would be right there at the lesion and my tech would say, hey, Dr. Tiger, you're right there at the lesion. And I'd just be standing there. Yeah, I'm just taking another look. But the truth is I had to wait for this strange numbness to pass. And lots of other things were happening. And of course, as a physician, our left brain thinking, I must have some debilitating neurologic disease because why would I be so young with these areas of numbness just popping up in my hands? And I couldn't put any of it together. I started seeking out help. I went to a neurologist, a neurologist because I have digestive issues, a periodontist for my oral issues. I started to see mental health care professional because I started having really bad thoughts thoughts that were just terrible to the point of, wow, I don't even know if I want to be here anymore. This is just awful. I, I was feeling incredibly stressed. I had to talk myself into going to work every day. I just, I didn't even know who I was anymore. And I had imaging radiologists. So I popped mm -hmm. the magnet. Of course, that was all negative because I had lots of pain in my body. So my neck, shoulders, back negative. So nothing was coming up showing anything. And none of our colleagues could figure out what was wrong with me. And I was just circling the drain and really close to bottom. And at this point, I had lost two of my three physician colleagues to suicide. And I was really scared that I was heading in their direction. So on the one hand, I had these horrible thoughts and I felt awful. On the other hand, I'm like, I have this amazing husband and these two great kids and this incredible life. Like what's going on? So I started to look outside of what we learned in traditional medicine. I said, no one's going to help you except you because you've sought out help from everybody and it's not working. And so that's when I started looking outside the box and I started hearing more more about things like yoga, things like meditation. And I had always thought those things were for everybody else except me because I'm a gym rat. Like I'd be mm -hmm. on the treadmill looking at those people over there doing that stuff over there in that room over there. Who knows what that is? Mm -hmm. and all of these preconceived notions of people turning upside down and twisting their bodies into shapes radiologists thought actually were impossible. <laughs> Weird clothes, strange music, strange sounds, you name it, spandex. I had all kinds of images, right? Mm -hmm. Just like a lot of us have. But in the same token is I was hearing more and more about these things. And I said, I have nothing to lose and everything to get. So I grabbed my next door neighbor who's a nurse one day. It was New Year's. And we said, let's make a new intention to try mm -hmm. something new. And we did. We went down the street to this Yoga 101 five-week series, joking to ourselves, thinking that it was going to be ridiculous mm -hmm. and that we were going to go out to dinner, going to cut out early and have a girl's dinner because it was going to be terrible because that's what we mm -hmm. told ourselves. And serene after the very first session, my life was changed. I just felt completely clear. I was calm, grounded, and I didn't know what hit me. And that was the beginning of my understanding that I didn't need to take any pills or talk to anyone about what was going on with me. For me, that wasn't the answer. For other people, maybe, but for me, that wasn't the answer. And the diagnosis, my diagnosis was just chronic stress. 
Because as I went on to take more classes and start to get into meditation and more and learn how to regulate my own nervous system, I realized that stress was what causing everything because those symptoms I described disappeared one by one, every single one of them, even the paresthesias, even the negative thoughts. So that was just my entryway into understanding that there are other things that we could do to help ourselves and the power of chronic stress. And from there, I just decided to start to study everything that was helping me and get certified in everything that I found helpful to help other. That's awesome. And definitely there's so much about the human body that we don't understand in traditional medicine and especially stress especially how to connect to ourselves. How do we how do we address some of the impact of chronic stress? And especially with the pandemic and everything that's going on around it, I think the stress level for everyone, if it was like at 20% before or 30% before, now it's 50, 60, 70. And I think that these skills are absolutely necessary. As you build your practice, self-care practice and sharing that with your clients, you know, what are some of the common themes that you've been hearing as far as the impact of stress for you? for everyone, really. Yeah, with healthcare professionals and non-healthcare professionals alike, basically, I'm just hearing more of what I've been hearing in this last decade since I've been in this space of stress management education. And it's, I, I have no focus and concentration. I can't sleep. I'm either eating too much or not eating at all. Bowel habits are out the door. Diarrhea, constipation, pain in their bodies. Everything hurts or a specific part of their body hurts. Things like even just down to intimacy, decreased libido, not wanting to be with their partners, having arguments with people, not recognizing the words that are coming out of their mouths, so reactive, wishing they could take back things that they said, wishing they could take back things that they did. And just this overall sense of just unfulfillment, not happy, spinning out of control. A lot of these things I hear over and over again, um, isolated, feeling alone, feeling guilty and shame for feeling any of these things when it appears that maybe from the outside, they have so much. So these are a lot of the common things that I Yeah, And I, I could relate to so many of what you said too, the impact of stress. I, I actually went through a burnout, severe burnout, probably about four or five years ago at this point, and just really making some of those small changes changed just even in my everyday outlook. And what you said is so true. You wonder what is wrong. You feel like externally everything looks fine. And you start to wonder, maybe there's something wrong with me. And like the emotions you were sharing about shame and blame and guilt comes up. And one of the other things that I've heard from a lot of my clients and, and others who've gone through burnout is just that feeling of isolation. You feel like part of the shame is, oh, it's me. Everyone else is managing stress just fine. And everyone else is managing the pandemic just fine. It's me and there's something wrong. So I think that the more we talk about these types of topics and uh, kind of bring awareness, I hope that at least one person listening understands that they're not alone and that it's not just them. So many of us have experienced it and are still experiencing it. And that this is a journey for sure. Yeah, I'm glad that you're just focusing here on the fact that we're not alone. That's so important because about 15 years ago or so when I was going through this, I really did feel alone and we weren't talking about it. We're talking about it now. We're bringing awareness to it. We're normalizing it because it is really common. It is happening. And it's important to talk about and to let everyone know that we're, we're here and that they're not by themselves. Absolutely. So as people who are listening thinks, oh yeah, that sounds kind of like me. I do feel stressed. And some of those physiological changes that you mm -hmm. described are happening. What are some simple, 
cool techniques and such that people can utilize to make because I'm a huge believer in small changes to, to make the big results. So what are some of the small changes they can start implementing to first face to address that? Yes, there is stress. I think that's part of the first step is acknowledging the truth, but then also just figuring out, okay, I'm feeling a little, I'm feeling a little or a lot burned out. I'm feeling a little or a lot stressed. Now, what do I do? The first thing is acknowledging it, like you said. So acknowledging that it's actually there and not pushing it away. Cause I did that for years. Oh, I'm fine. Just push it away. Just keep going. Mm -hmm. But all that does is push it down, down into our bodies more and more. And we talk about issues in our tissues, which is what happens, Mm -hmm. right? Because chronic stress is, as you associate most of the chronic diseases in our country, heart disease, stroke, diabetes, cancer progression and growth, even Mm -hmm. affects our longevity, shortens our lifespan by affecting our telomeres down to our genetic level that determines how long we're going to live. Mm -hmm. So taking that first step and recognizing there's something here, I need to fix it. That's number one. And not just trying to muddle through it and push. And then after that, for me, I believe that the self-care formula is a combination of what we talked about, which is really managing our own physiology, managing our stress response, as well as managing our minds through life. Mm -hmm. So for me, it's been a really a progression of understanding each of these pieces and putting that all together. So for someone who's feeling really stressed, recognizing it, number one, saying, I'm going to take care of me, number two, and then learning the tools, educating themselves into the things that they can do to manage their bodies and to manage their mind. So what I started with was regular. And then I learned that there was a field of yoga therapy, which was basically learning the base philosophies and techniques of yoga and learning how to apply them to different types of symptoms and illnesses and diseases. So I went on to become a yoga therapist, which was about a three-year certification and focusing on trauma and stress to understand more about the physiology piece. And so how we work with is going back to what we learned in medical school, how the breath works, for example, understanding the physiology of our breath and understanding that how we breathe can determine how we feel. So our breath can do four things. It can calm us down. It can wake us up. It can warm us and it can cool us. So for people who are stressed, we want to talk about the calming part of our breath. How do we work with our breath to feel calmer? So two main pieces of our breath that we work with to feel calmer would be the length of our exhale because our exhale breath decreases our heart rate and decreases our blood pressure. Inhale is stimulating. Exhale is calming. And the location of our breath. So when we're stressed, we breathe up in our chest. When we're calm, calming breathing is in our belly. And that's because the vagus nerve travels all around down there. So we increase vagal tone as we direct our breath deeper into our So one thing we can do is to work with our breath by lengthening our exhale and by allowing our breath to be deeper into our body, into our belly. And that's just basic physiology. So we learn about gas exchange and the anatomy of our lungs and so on, but we don't actually learn how to work with our breath. So to feel calm, those are two very important pieces of how we can work with our breath. And then it's how can we move our bodies to feel? So for me, I'm certified in somatics, somatic movement, somatic yoga, and it's a different way of moving. Stretching is a spinal cord reflex. So when we want to stretch, if I said, sit up, pull your shoulders back, that feels good. But when you release it, you're back to being around the shoulder again. Here it comes forward. I could do that all day. Serene, pull your shoulder back. And we'll be doing that all day long. And that's because our muscles act like rubber bands, essentially. Muscle stretch sends a signal to our spinal cord. Spinal cord says, oh, I see you stretch. Spinal cord sends a signal back to our muscles to recontract. And that goes on and on. So moving in a different way, using principles of somatics, actually, we contract into tight muscles and we slowly release them. And that's called eccentric contraction or pendicular. And we do that in a mindful way by using interoception, by actually 
actually sensing our body move in and out of these movements, contracting and decontracting, inviting our brain to get involved. So that's different than stretching because that's, again, a spinal cord reflex. We move in a somatic, we involve our brain, we involve our spinothalamic tracts, our cortical spinal tracts. We can retrain our brain as to where these tight muscles are supposed to be and the resting lane increases and we feel more comfortable in our bodies. So it's one way to feel calmer is to breathe in a certain way. One way to feel calmer and to feel more relaxed is to move in a certain way. And then it's because we met together in, in coaching and life coaching is then to work with our, to work with all those thoughts, which lots of times for myself and my clients, we have to first regulate our nervous system to get to the point where we can start to work with our thoughts. And then we could do some amazing thought work to recognize what thoughts don't serve us and to work with the thoughts that do. Love it. Love it. And I love the bringing all the anatomy back because anatomy and physiology is like basic. It helps us understand, okay, this is why it works the way it does. And, and, and I think that really engaging both the body and the mind, learning how to work with what's going on in our mind, our thoughts and our body is just so important in this journey too. One of the things that I've recognized for myself has been that self-care really has to include self-compassion, right? Because most of the time what we tend to do is think about all the ways that we're screwing up in the day, you know, all the ways that we're, we're doing something wrong. And when I started to, and we talk a lot about self-care, everyone thinks, oh, it means signing up for a massage or going, you know, like doing this, this one thing, but it's really that engagement of our mind and body looking at our thoughts. How do we talk to ourselves? How are we nourishing ourselves? What are the foods that we're feeding ourselves? Are we hydrating? Are we going to the bathroom to pee? And all that stuff. But really, I think ultimately it comes to you. Are we loving on ourselves? Are we giving ourselves compassion and allowing that we are human and we are by definition imperfect? Because I think especially as physicians, there's a, there's this expectation, I, I have to do that. And if I'm not doing that by whatever standard of definition that is, and maybe that definition is unachievable even, that somehow we're doing something wrong. And that also adds to that chronic stress we experience. So I would love to get your thoughts on Yeah, it brings you back to that John Legend song about being perfectly imperfect. Yeah. And that perfect is the enemy of good enough. Perfect is the enemy of good enough. And I actually have a sticky note of that right on my computer monitor. I have lots of sticky notes of very empowering thoughts, but that's one of them because it really keeps us from being good enough when we think that we're not perfect or it's not perfect enough. We're not at that point that we should be. And most of the time, if not all the time, it really is good enough. It really is. And that perfection really can be a very damaging in our lives. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that I agree with you completely. Perfection is, is something that, you know, and sometimes we even quit what we want to do because we're like, it's not going to be good enough. So why bother? And so we quit on our dreams. We quit on the things that we want to do because we think I'm just not going to be perfect at it. So it, just, it makes me think, what would we do if it was okay to, if we knew that what we're doing is enough, that there's no sort of alternate definition of perfection that we have to attain. But what if it was just that we had fun with it and we did it because we loved it instead of, well, I'm going to do it perfect. Yeah. Yeah. And, and we know that the only only way to definitely fail is to not even try the only way. And so far we have a hundred percent success in being here because we have another day. So we're here, we're making it. We are succeeding every single day. Absolutely. I loved also what you said about, you know, really just understanding our breath and connecting to it. And I was curious when you, when you include the, the connection to our mind and body and meditation, what are some other ways that you, you recommend to your clients? 
times to, to get in touch with their breath and just build that the awareness in their body. Yeah. In addition to just knowing that you need to breathe longer on your exhale and knowing that you need to breathe deeper into your belly, really sensing your breath. So drawing in the senses, being mindful as you're breathing, because we can't think and feel at the same time. We're just not wired that way. We can't think a thought and feel something in our body at the exact same time. So when we bring our attention to the sensation of our breath, can you sense your breath coming into your body? Is it coming in through your nose or your mouth? Is your body taking turns breathing through your nose and your mouth? What's the temperature of the breath as it comes in and out? What parts of your body are gently moving each time you breathe? Bringing your attention to the sensations helps actually to give your very busy, cluttered thinking mind a rest, create space in your mind, brings you back into your body, or we call it re-embodied because we spend most of our time disembodied from neck up. And that in itself is very calming. So in addition to just going through the motions of I'm going to make my exhale longer and I'm going to bring my breath deeper into my body, focusing on the sensations with each of those things that you're doing can be very meditative and calming and grounding. Love it. And connecting to our five senses is, is really just a magical experience mm-hmm. as well. And it helps us build again, that connection to our body and, and to our soul, like really just connecting to, okay, what is going on? Where am I feeling the tension? What's going on with my left shoulder? What, where are the areas that I'm sore and how do I breathe some ease into that? So I think breath can be really a powerful tool and, and we definitely underutilize it for sure. It's so simple. We all have it. I teach five-year-olds how to do this. And we, we all have it from 88-year-old military veterans to five-year-old preschools. We all have these superpowers. We're just not taught how to use it. It's just that simple. It's really profound. Yeah. No special app or extra equipment needed. Nothing. You have everything, everything within you to learn how to use these tools. You just need to know how to do it. Someone just needs to teach you. And they're so simple and they're evidence-based. It's all through the medical literature. We just need to teach and learn and practice. I've heard a lot of spaces where breath is used as a way to create a pause and create that feeling of, okay, we're in a stressful situation, but instead of reacting, instead of letting our primitive brain take over and just do whatever it's going to, but just taking a few deep breaths and just counting the seconds in, holding it for a period of time, and then letting it out in a way that allows you to really create that pause and disconnect and, and then resetting your breath. I think I think I may actually know, no joke, hundreds of different breathing tools. And I've chosen the top, I think, 18 in the programs that I teach. And that's because everybody's different. So even though we're in general wired about the same way, not everyone is going to have the same experience with each type of breathing tool. So some people love breath holds and some people freak out from them. There are certain ways you can hold your breath and it could feel really amazing. But I just want to make that clear that if someone is listening and they do try this and it doesn't feel good, that's okay. There's nothing wrong with you because for some people holding your breath or pausing doesn't feel good. So Mm -hmm. for some love it, I love it, but I've worked with people that say, absolutely not. That's not for me. Mm -hmm. That said, there are two ways that you can create pauses in your breath. You can cause them. You can create a pause after you inhale and there's a pause between inhale and exhale. And you can create a pause after your exhale. There's a pause between exhale and inhale. And so I teach that in several different ways. And I like to teach that with shapes because Mm -hmm. 
because it allows this visualization for people who are very visual and it makes it easier. So one way I do that is I have people create the shape of a circle in their mind. And when you breathe, you start at the bottom of the circle and your circle can be any size. There's no right or wrong. And I have them imagine the circle and you start at the bottom of the circle. And as you inhale up one half of the circle, you can pause at the top for as long as you'd like. And then when you're ready, you can exhale down the other half of this and then pause at the bottom. And for some people, it might be a one second pause. Other people might count to two. Some people might count to four or five, but it really gives you the space to create that pause. And that happens to be a breath that people really love. So I call it circle breath. Some other people have called it Ferris wheel breath because sometimes at the top of a Ferris wheel, you pause, but I have worked with <laughs> a lot of people that are fearful of heights. So I don't call it Ferris wheel breath, circle <laughs> breath, right? That's a trauma informed brain coming out of my trauma informed training here coming out. So a circle. And if anyone wants to try it again, you start at the bottom of their circle, you inhale up one side, you allow for a pause. You sense that peace and the pause between your breath. As you exhale, you come back down the opposite side of the circle and you pause it before you inhale again. So that's one way. Another way you may have heard is called square breath. And that's creating the shape of a square in your mind. And the way that you practice that is you inhale up one side of the square, and then you pause across the top of the square, and then you exhale down the opposite side of the square, and then you pause across the... So again, it's inhale up one side, pause across the top, exhale down the other side, and pause across the bottom. And so you can again decide you know, how long you want those pauses to be, but you keep the four sides of your square the same. So whatever count you create, if it's a three count up and a three count pause, that's fine. If it's a four count up, maybe it's a two count. So you just keep that number the same on all four. And then there are other ways like that sleep breath. People talk about that four, seven, eight breath where Mm -hmm. you inhale for four, you pause for seven and you exhale for eight. And that's a very common pattern that people like, but for some pausing for seven can be really hard and exhaling for eight could be really hard. So you can create your own numerical pattern that works. Those are three different ways that you can add a pause in your breath that you may find very common very grounded. Love it so much. And what's interesting, I was actually trying to do as you were explaining along and I've used pause in between the inhalation and exhalation a lot in my breath work. And I realized I don't think I've used pause between the exhale and the inhale. And I was trying to do it and it felt a lot harder, probably because my brain's not used to it. So I'll have to play with that a little bit to Mm -hmm. see how that feels. And it's also good to know that for some people, pausing between breaths or pausing between the inhalation and exhalation or exhalation inhalation is not going to feel as good or comfortable. I I love pausing between inhalation and exhalation. I, I find that really to be so calming. And it, especially when I exhale out after the pause, I feel like I'm just letting go of all of my, it's like my collection. And then I let go of everything. And so it's been a very calming experience for me. Yeah. I'm so glad that you mentioned that because it's very common. It's more common to be comfortable pausing between inhale and exhale than pausing between exhale and inhale. It, that is much more common. And when I start, I felt very uncomfortable pausing after the exhale. It was something that I enjoyed <laughs> over time. And some people th- seem to think it's because you know that you have all this breath in your body when you're pausing after your inhale, you still have all of your breath, but it's scary when you're mm-hmm. pausing, when you have no breath left in your body for mm-hmm. some. So that's some of the thinking that goes along with that. Again, you play with it mm-hmm. and however it feels for you is because it's your experience. So there's no wrong or right. I want to also say that for some people, when they pause after the inhale, that's very stimulating and it can make their heart race. And that's because the physiology of our breath, as I alluded to earlier, is that when we inhale, our heart rate increases. And when we exhale, our heart rate decreases. That's the physiology of our breath. So for some people, 
when they pause after the inhale, that actually may be too stimulating. It may be making them feel more stressed and anxious. Mm -hmm. So just know if that's you, again, it's okay. But there's nothing wrong with you. You can just try it the other way, or maybe that's just not for you and that's okay too. That's awesome. And I'm so glad that we took the time to explore a breath because like you said, it's so simple and it's such an amazing tool, but we just don't spend enough time talking about it and, and just practicing. A lot of times what I hear from my clients as far as mindfulness is they feel like, oh, you know what? I don't have time for meditation because I, I like I don't have 30 minutes or 45 minutes or whatnot. And I tell them then just focus on five breaths. Like it doesn't have to be complicated and we can really take something as simple as breath or even just walking like a mindful walk or mindful eating. There's so many ways for us to incorporate mindfulness on a day-to-day routine basis instead of trying to create an alternate time, which obviously there's a lot of benefit in that too. But if for someone who feels there's all this sort of impact of stress and they don't feel like they can make that next step, this is a great first way to get started. You start with any of the breath work that we discussed today and, and take a few deep breaths, feel the breath move through your body and feel creating ease. And that's it. And when you're feeling stressed or you're in the middle of a line and you're trying to hurry up and all of the things you're trying to do, taking even 30 seconds to do that, it can really just ease some of the tension you're feeling. Yeah. It doesn't take long. And as you practice more and more, you will be creating neuroplasticity. You're creating new neural pathways so that when you do use these tools, they, they're more effective, more quickly. And then you can share them with other people. I've shared them with really stressed out, panicking people on an airplane next to me. I've shared them with a crew of people that were on a train that were freaking out because a person next to me was having a seizure. I shared it at a car accident, helping both the individual who was hit by the car, as well as the individual who was driving the car. It is amazing the ripple effect that you can have. Not once you learn these tools, the other people that you can share, and they're just so simple. It's just (laughs) really easy. And they work because it's our physiology. It's how our body's made. I love it. Do you have any recommendations for using breath to ease that transition to sleep? Because that's the other area of challenge that I think a lot of people who are stressed experience is they just can't relax enough to fall asleep. Yeah. So since I mentioned there are four ways to work with your breath, and we're focusing here on the calming way, the way to decrease the stress, everything we talked about so far will work, can be tried and is okay. So again, focusing on the principles of breath for calming would be, again, there's two main principles, having a longer exhale and allowing your breath to be deeper into your belly. And sometimes I hear, I can't get my breath out of my chest. It's just stuck up there. Like I have my hands on my belly and I'm not feeling it moving. Cause what I tell people to do is put your hands on your belly and see if you, your belly moving. And if it's not your stressful breathing right now, your sympathetic nervous system is in charge. And we want to get that parasympathetic nervous system involved as well. So a really wonderful trick to get your breath into your body, to get it going down deep into your belly is to breathe in. We can all try this. Let's breathe in and then breathe all the air out, breathe it all out, everything out, everything. So there's absolutely no air left. And where there's no air left, left, take a breath in and it will automatically fill your belly. It just does. And so that is a really wonderful way to get that breath start to be deeper into your body. So taking a normal breath in, breathe it all out, let all that breath out. And that next breath you take will automatically go into your belly. And it has to do with the fact that we've created this vacuum that our breath is being drawn in that negative pressure deep into our body. And then you can get that belly breath going. So focusing on the location of breath will help calm you so you can sleep. Focusing on the length of your exhale breath will calm you and help you sleep. And that also goes for falling back asleep. So you wake up in the middle of the night, maybe you're thinking, 
thinking a thought, maybe you had a bad dream, maybe you had to go to the bathroom or something. You come back into bed, you focus on those two principles of breath again. And if you want to start playing around with some of those pauses that we talked about, you can do that as well. So whether it's the square breath or the circle breath, or you do that four, seven, eight breath where you're breathing in for four, holding for seven, exhaling for eight, or creating a numerical pattern that works. Those are all tools that can really be helpful. And then you wake up in the morning, like, wow, I don't remember falling asleep. Love it. That's a great tool. So thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. So many amazing tools for our listeners to use in their day-to-day life, to fall asleep, to tackle stress, and to really connect with themselves. I really appreciate that. Now, if any of our listeners wanted to get in touch with you and, and know more about you, where would they find your information? Yeah, they can find me through my website, which is stressfreemd.net at stressfreemd.net. That's the umbrella under which all of my offerings are located. They can sign up for a free 30-minute stress relief strategy call to get started on ways to decrease the stress in their lives. I have three free self-care videos on that website, one of which is one of the breathing tools that we talked about. So you want to check that out. Another is relieving neck and shoulder tension and also a guided meditation. And I have seven to date, seven CME accredited programs. One is just for physicians and the other six are for other healthcare professionals and the general public. And I have my podcast. So I have the Stress-Free MD podcast where I teach short, simple, effective, what I like to call stress-free snacks so that you can learn something new each and every day. And if you're a social media buff, find me on Instagram, Stress-Free MD on Instagram, Stress-Free MD on Facebook. Let's see, what am I missing? Oops, Robin Tiger MD on LinkedIn. Okay, thanks. Yeah, so I think that's everything. Awesome, great. Thank you so much. And I'll include that information in the show notes as well. So everyone will have a chance to connect with you and get to know you more. I really appreciate all the time that you've shared with us today and all the wisdom you've shared. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for all you do and for having me. Thank you so much for joining us today. For my listeners, if there are any topics that you want to hear more, please drop a comment below. I would be happy to add those to our weekly content. For all those listening, thank you for joining us today. If you found this valuable, please like, subscribe, leave a review on iTunes and share it with a friend or two. I would so appreciate that. I would love to hear from you. If you have a story, to share about burnout or overwhelm, please reach out to me so we can continue to build this community so no one has to go through burnout and overwhelm alone. You can reach out to me at my website, serenitywellnessmd.com or Mindfulness and Productivity Systems Facebook page or at serenitywellnessmd on Instagram. The content of this podcast is not meant to be medical advice. Tune in for the next episode coming to you every Thursday morning. Goodbye for now.